I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is the wonderful Laura Adlington, who was the standout star of The Great Bitches Bake Off in 2020. Love that show. Viewers fell in love with her sense of humor and positive outlook, as well as her messy baking. Since appearing on the show, she has amassed an incredible social media following on her Instagram and launched a brand new podcast called Go Love Yourself, which is all about body confidence. Laura is really keen to help people of all shapes and sizes feel good about themselves and talks openly and honestly about mental health and body image. Laura, I am so grateful to have you here today. I'm really excited for this chat and I have followed you since kind of your Great British Bake Off day. So it's so lovely to be able to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Look, I I always think that, um, you know, I've spoken to a couple of people who have appeared on various different shows across the podcast. And one of the questions that I always love to ask is kind of, how did it feel going from, I guess, being not a nobody, because I hate to use that word, but, you know, being able to like be completely unrecognized and go about your life, you know, doing whatever you want to kind of being thrust into the spotlight and having that really on you. And I wondered if you can share what your experience was like, kind of having that complete shift in your lifestyle from going on to such a huge and and such a loved show. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was very, very strange, very exciting, very surreal. Um, I think I didn't really get the full kind of experience because we did it we filmed it in lockdown and then it aired in lockdown. So I wasn't really going out. So it wasn't really until after that that I was sort of, you know, just going about, you know, in the town doing shopping and people just shouted, bake off at me. And I'd be like, hi. <laughs> so yeah, it was um, a really wonderful, a wonderful experience. Just kind of, yeah, it just, it was very just, just surreal. I, I've, like you, I've loved the show for years. I used to race home on a Tuesday night, bake something that was, you know, off the theme of the show. So yeah, to be on it was just, yeah, so strange, but I honestly, you know, it completely changed my life and it's the best thing I've I've ever done. So while I found the filming very tough and challenging and some of the bits afterwards, like I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity. And let's talk about your love of food really quickly in terms of baking. How did you get into it? Like what started your kind of passion to to bake and to and to really do it so well as well? Like how did you get so good? <laughs> I think I've, I've always loved food. I've always been a foodie and my stepmom always used to say to feed someone is to love them, which I, I really love that phrase. And I think it's something that I took with me because uh, I, I it actually all started, I was trying to make a birthday cake for my mum for her 50th. And so I was like, at the time, I didn't really have a lot of money and I just moved into a flat and I was like, I can't afford £150 for a cake. I, I can make one. It can't be that hard. And it honestly, it was so bad, Alice, like it looked like it had been dropped. And I just went from there and I just taught myself on YouTube. And it was like 18 months of just pure passion of just throwing my myself into it baking for pleasure baking to make people happy um and i just taught myself literally on youtube how to make bread and how to make all sorts of different things and i just of a real kind of like zest for it it was a bit of an obsession really i mean that's incredible that you purely taught yourself from from youtube amazing and testament to kind of you know the access that we have to all these incredible resources now one thing that i'd really love to know is what gave you the motivation to sign up you know, it's such a it's such a huge pressure, and I think putting yourself onto any show, but particularly a show that's you know such a big kind of household show that people watch religiously and kind of has cult fans or whatever. What drove you to sign up? What gave you the confidence to to, to put your name down and say I can do this? 
I think it was pressure from my husband and my sister-in-law who were like, you have to sign up. You love the show. Like, go for it. What have we got to lose? I was like, okay. Uh, but I don't really like reality TV. Like, I have a real kind of dislike of it. I think it's very, manu- it's not it's actually reality. It's very often very manufactured. But I think The Bake Off is just such a lovely, wholesome show. And they said to me, you know, right before I went on, I was really worried about like trolling and, and how I would be kind of perceived and things like that. And they, they said to us, to me like they will never like edit it so to, to manipulate it to, to for you to, to to you know to be nasty Nigel or, or anything like that they want people to love you and like you and so I felt like I was in safe hands and I think while I sort of lacked confidence a bit I just thought why not me why not go for it like I love baking I love the bake-off what a cool opportunity it would be and I just kind of YOLO'd it, really. And I'm so glad I did. I'm really glad too. But I also feel that one of the aspects that really brought your name, I guess, into into our households was, one, you're an amazing baker. But two, you also did have a challenging time both during and after the show. And, you know, as someone who kind of followed that story and, and saw your responses to some really cruel trolling, it was so hard to see someone that came across as this beautiful, warm, kind person be judged in such a horrible way. And you've spoken really openly about, um, you know, what you went through and how it affected you mentally. And I wondered if you'd be comfortable to kind of share a little bit of that, you know, if you can. I think it's really important that we do talk about it openly because I think sometimes people think, oh, you're in the public eye or you went on a TV show. So, you know, you're open to it. Just, you know, suck it up. And actually, I think we really do need to challenge that narrative because I think it is so unhealthy I personally was in a such a dark place like I found it really really difficult originally before I went on the show I thought that the comments and negativity would be all about my weight and yes while I did receive some very nasty fat favorite comments it kind of surprised me in a way that it was generally more about oh she's shit she can't bake this person should have gone through over her and it was around the time of like like it was in lockdown so I think people just maybe a bit angry and a bit kind of lost up in it and I was like it's just cake babes it's just cake like chill out um but it was very hurtful because it just felt like a pile on and I was in bed crying for about a day or two and I remember like I definitely wasn't suicidal but I definitely remember thinking if I wasn't here this would just all go away and this would be a lot easier and I think people might say that that's a bit like dramatic or whatever but when you are you have literally got thousands upon thousands of people you know trying to chip away at you and the daily mail outside your house following you on a dog walk like that's that's really tough yeah it took a massive toll on my mental health and I think that's why I had to make the decision to just not read it not engage in it not not look at it because I just I know and, and I, I have the same attitude now because I just I wouldn't get out of bed um but I believe in what I'm doing I'm very passionate about what I do now I've kind of gone away from, from baking a little bit um and I I think you just I just don't want to let them win so I, I refuse to let them win I think that's a brilliant way to look at it but I do think that you're right we almost have like this systemic problem with people going on to what should be encouraging environments and instead being subjected to cruel trolling and not necessarily having the supporting structures to be able to help them through that process um you know if we look at other various kind of reality shows maybe some that are a little bit less friendly and warm than um, than the great british bake-off you you see you know across the board there are people that really really struggle with the backlash to putting yourself onto you know a tv show or in the public eye and i think that you know we really need to be better at supporting these people and giving a proper structure to what support might look like and I think you know you 
have managed to turn something negative into a positive. And it's incredible that you've done that. But I also think that that's testament to your strong will, but also it, it you know could have broken other people. And I think that's something that we always have to remind ourselves of. I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, your relationship with your body prior to going onto the show versus after. You mentioned that the trolling was sort of 50-50 in terms of some of it about your appearance and some of it about um, your baking. And we know that fat phobia is, you know, everywhere and so inbuilt into our society and into our vernacular that like it's it's almost like we don't even realize that we're doing it sometimes or saying you know things that that can be seen as fat phobic and for you to receive those comments did they change the way that you felt about your body and did you feel that they kind of shifted something within you that maybe prior you sort of felt okay or or how did you feel about your body prior and then and then as a result of that experience yeah it's a really good question i, I think before like prior to going on Bake Off, but I mean more like as a teenager in my early 20s, I was a walking before photo. I would only be happy when Laura version 2.0, you know, was skinnier, prettier, had, you know, had more boyfriends, had more friends, was more successful. I genuinely thought that my life would begin when I was smaller and I put everything I had into like kind of dieting and I would diet and then I couldn't sustain it and then I would binge and that whole diet binge cycle would just continue for me and so I did I definitely didn't kind of have a very positive um kind of feeling about my body and I didn't have a very good uh, body body image but I think as I got a little bit older I sort of just realized like I'm a confident person and I think sometimes people think like I'm body confident all the time and that's not true and I also think people get mistaken for thinking body positivity is means that you have to love yourself every day and love how you look that's not realistic and it certainly isn't the case for me and even before Bake Off, I was going to have bariatric surgery. Um, I was very adamant I was going to do that. And I just really wanted to be smaller. And I think after going on the show, as much as I got some horrible, hateful messages, I honestly got thousands and thousands more from like women saying, it's so nice to see a bigger woman on telly, loving her life, living her life around food, being comfortable around food. And it was really a huge turning point for me because I realized I wasn't alone. I grew up feeling very isolated, thinking like I was my the only fat person in my group of friends and having to listen to them being like, I'm so fat, I can't fit into my size six jeans. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so sad for you. Um, and so like, I, I say that, I do want to caveat that we all have body hangouts and issues at size 26 or 26, but um, it just was hard being, you know, the fattest one in your friendship group. But it really, things really did change me after Bake Off. And I started to just think, do you know what? It really doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter how I look. It really shouldn't matter. Like we all deserve respect, whatever we look like. And the way we look is the least interesting about us. Um, so I just tried to, I, I did a lot of research and I also just adopted more of like a body neutrality approach, which I know is something that you talk about, which is just kind of like, I've got a body and so has everybody else. And I think I've come to a point where I realised diets don't work. Um, and for some people, they think that means I'm promoting obesity and it's really not. It's the opposite of that. I think we should be promoting health above everything else. But um, I'm kind of at the point in my life now where I think I, I want to be focusing on my health and healthier foods and, and movement that's, that's good for me rather than the diet because diets don't work. And diet culture is a horrible industry designed to make us hate ourselves and I just refuse to be any part of it and let's just talk on that because I think that one of the biggest things that I take from you know what you just said which was all brilliant is health doesn't look a certain way 
and we can all put our lives on hold and kind of shroud ourselves in baggy clothes and and do all of these kind of really problematic behaviors because we just don't feel that we're good enough until we look a certain way and actually you know if my experience is anything to go by at my smallest I was probably at my most unhealthiest and visibly I looked like the poster girl of, of health and fitness but the reality was so far from that and it's such an important reminder that we cannot take aesthetics as a kind of correlation to anything to do with our health. You know, we're not walking doctors. We can't look at someone and assume anything about them. I completely agree with you. And I think I always lead with just treat everyone with respect. Does it matter to you if someone exists in a bigger or a smaller body? Does it bring anything to a conversation how they look? No. You know, I think that it's really important that we we really hear from a diverse range of people who who exist in different bodies about what they expect in terms of how people speak about their bodies. I noticed that you use the word fat in quite like a kind of normal way. And I think some of us can think the word fat is is a bad or derogatory word. And I wondered, do you kind of reclaim that word as a way of being able to see it as kind of a very normal, natural thing that we, you know, we have people that are in bigger bodies and people that are in smaller bodies and that's quite a normal thing? Yeah, it's it's for such a small word, it has such a lot of power, doesn't it? Um, and I think that people are often surprised when I call myself fat um, and they say, oh, things like, you're, you're not fat, you're beautiful. And I think, well, that, that's really kind, but I'm, you know, I can be, I can be both. Um, and actually, I think that that sort of, you're sort of not allowing fat people to own their, their experiences and their narrative. Growing up, certainly that word was always slung at me and it was always an insult. I do find it very triggering now like when someone calls me it, but you're right, I am trying to reclaim it as a neutral descriptor, just like tall or thin or short or brunette, because I think we need to do that in order to kind of to, to neutralise it and, and to kind of claim back that power because like it's something that people think they have a hold of, of you. And even the other day I was having a row with a woman in the car park because she stole my spot and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, but I was waiting for that. And she was like, you it, fat, I won't repeat the word. But it's always the first thing that gets slung at me. Um, and I think it is, yeah, it's, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's really hard. But I think the more we can kind of neutralise it and talk about it and use it, the better. Because it's factually correct. I am fat. And like my niece said to me the other day, you're really, really fat. And at first it really hurt me and it really upset me. And then I was like, I said to her, well, darling, you're not wrong. But actually, it's just not kind to talk about people's bodies and what they look like, is it? So let's, you know, let's not do that again. So that's kind of where I stand for it. But it is, it's still a learning curve for me. I'm still working on it. Like I'm still not quite there yet, but I think the more we use it, the better. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. And that's the point, isn't it? It's like reclaim the word, take its power away from it being seen as an insult. And the more that you do that and normalize it, and again, like you said, you know, neutralize it, the less it can be uh, used to kind of insult you. And, you know, when you hear it, it can be, it, hopefully it's less of a kind of sting that you're just like, it's just a word like any other and and almost don't give it such a weight or such power. Um one of the things that I just adore about you is that you've created something so incredibly positive in terms of the community that you have online and you channel your energy into sharing such um, lovely content, whether it's your kind of fashion hauls or sharing your experiences. You know, I, I read a few of your blog posts before coming on here and just such a lovely way of words and describing your your personal experience. And it feels so kind of 
warm and encouraging. And oh, I wondered, um, it's okay. I wondered what led you to kind of channel your energies into, I guess, showing up and being really un- unapologetic in 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 who you are and, and and what you bring to the table. Was there something that kind of shifted in you, I guess, over the years to go from Laura who couldn't, you know, live her life until she was X size or, or the smallest version she could be to I'm going to show up as 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 unapologetically as I can be. Do you feel like there was a kind of catalyst in that or did it just evolve as a kind of gradual change? I think it was more of a, a gradual thing uh, rather than like a eureka moment. But I say that, I think in my head, I just kept thinking, I can be dead tomorrow. And I know that sounds really morbid, but it was sort of around like the post-COVID time where we didn't know what was happening and it was it was very scary. And I just remember thinking, I will have wasted so much time and effort thinking I need to diet, I need to be smaller, my life will begin. And that's not to say that I was then like, okay, I'm going to eat 40 pizzas a day and sit on the couch and do nothing. But it was just like freedom. It just felt like freedom to me. Um, and I just really wanted to to share that because I was getting messages a lot from women saying, how are you so confident? I wish I had an ounce of your confidence. And I was just like, well, you can, or even, you know, even if you just start small, like like you can, what's stopping you? It's, it's, it's the weight of other people's opinions, probably more than your, you know, the actual weight itself. Um, and I just think you're a long time dead. And I just refuse to waste one more minute, one more day thinking I can't do things. I, I just missed out on so many opportunities when I was younger. And I just refuse to do that anymore because life is precious um, and life is short. And I just want to show people that, okay, there are some things you, you cannot do if you're in a bigger body, but there's always normally alternatives. And there's so many things you can do. It's like live life, live life to the full. You deserve to live a fun and happy life just as you are. You don't need to be in this constant hamster wheel of dieting because it will just make you miserable and probably fatter, to be honest with you. And it's also just exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it, the, the headspace and the energy that it takes up existing every day thinking, if only I was smaller, if only I was smaller, or oh, I can't eat that, or oh, I mustn't do this, or oh, I've got to do that. You know, it's that constant narrative. And, you know, I, I think that you can get to the end of the day and think, oh my God, I'm exhausted purely from the weight of thinking about it constantly and actually it is really freeing to almost like cut loose of that that dead weight just be like see ya I'm not going to think those thoughts anymore and I'm saying that as if it's easy to do we know (laughs) that it's not and actually that leads me on to my next question about kind of those bad days because we know that it's not easy it's very challenging to go from a mindset of uh, wanting to constantly be smaller to to you know a place of body neutrality as we described it and there are always bad days. There are days when that niggling voice in your head, and look, I've had a couple of these recently where I think, oh God, would life be easier if I was just a bit smaller? Would I be more accepted? Would I maybe be more successful? You know, all these kind of conversations that go around in our heads. And I wondered if you could talk about how you deal with those bad days. What's your kind of uh, challenge, I guess, either internally or, or in something that you do that helps you to navigate those days where that voice is a little bit stronger than others. I think I would just I just want to start by saying like it's so common and like whatever your body size or type like you were just saying that you know you've been feeling like that lately. I certainly have. I've I've had a couple of um discussions with family members this week, um extended family members who don't agree with what I'm doing because they think I'm promoting obesity. That is so hurtful to me and I I'll admit at one point I was like oh, I need to go on these weight loss injections. Oh maybe I should just barrow have bariatric surgery maybe I should just not eat and it, it just has made me feel so awful about myself I think that the way to, the best way to look at it is to just say bad days are inevitable 
we are unlearning a lifetime, a lifetime of diet culture telling us that we are not good enough as we are and that we need to change and that we need to look a certain way. So definitely be kind to yourself and just take small steps. If it's a bad day, ride it out. Tomorrow hopefully will be better. The day after that will hopefully be even better. But you deserve, I say it again, you deserve love and respect just as you are. You don't need to change for anyone. If you want to change, do it for you. Make healthier choices, but you don't need to diet and you don't need to starve yourself and you don't need to fit into a certain dress size to be happy. So just be kind to yourself and take each day as it, as it comes. I think that's such a lovely answer. And I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that. And I often think that we think it's, you know, when you walk down the street, it's the woman that's staring at you or whatever that's that's the worst. But actually it's not. It's always the people closer to home. It's the little comments when, you know, when I think back to the the generational, I guess, um, offloading of, of trauma in a way of kind of my grandma to my mum who put my mum in Weight Watchers age 12 and then my mum who grew up in you know in a much bigger body and and you know struggles with that kind of dieting and um difficulty with her weight that then that then you know that I've then inherited and and how you know you describe it as that kind of generations of of diet culture that we are loaded with that it's often the ones closest to home that are the hardest to to heal you know yeah, it's absolutely. the comments from your family members it's the comments from even just your friends in in passing you know you might have I don't know, had a sick bug and lost a little bit of, of body fat. And someone goes, oh, you look amazing. And already that pl- thought is planted in your head of, oh, they, they're telling me they're great because I'm smaller. You know, it, it's all of these things and it's so inbuilt into our into our kind of day-to-day life that it's really difficult to overcome. And I, I just wanted to say that I'm really sorry that that's happening for you. And I think that the number one thing that I've realized is that's where sometimes our online communities can be really powerful that's when you kind of can come back to the people that really get your message and who you are and what you're doing and and, and they're probably in a similar place to yourself that can be that supporting voice to say, you're doing okay and you're doing amazing things. And Laura, you really are, you know, you are doing incredible things. And I just want you to really acknowledge that because I know that sometimes it can be really hard. But yeah, it's always those kind of online communities that can be can be our saviors in some ways as much as you know yeah. social media has its bad points it's also great no, in some think, ways as well yeah it gets a really bad reputation but I honestly think it's one of the biggest things that has helped me personally to accept myself is unfollowing people that I don't you know that I only follow because of what they look like and curating my social media feed and then having this community that's supportive and um, I think it's wonderful I think it's so glad I wish my mum had it when she was you know growing up and navigating the kind of you know twiggy era and thinking that she must look a certain way and yeah I think it's wonderful most of the time <laughs> most of the time exactly not caveat there <laughs> yeah. um, you launched your podcast go love yourself last year um can you explain maybe like a few reasons why you started it and what kind of conversations we can expect if someone wants to head over there and have a listen yeah of course so I do the podcast with my best friend Lauren and Really, we wanted to do it because we were sort of having conversations online and you'll probably get this where there's only so much you can sort of say in an Instagram post or a story. We realised that actually um, the topics that we were talking about, things like binge eating, body dysmorphia, um, you know, exercise and how we view, you know, we always used to view it as a punishment growing up um, and how we kind of, you know, get over that and how we can like move towards like intuitive movement and intuitive eating and things like that. So we wanted to just have like further conversations and provide support for people. We have experts on around 
binge eating, anxiety, whatever. So it's basically like free therapy. Um, <laughs> but, um, Which is needed yeah, we, right now in this current climate. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we do have a laugh as well. We do have a laugh. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of, of the podcast. And the, we've got a really wonderful community on the back of it as well, which is mainly plus size women, but really anyone who's sort of struggling with their body confidence. We've got a Facebook group, which is completely free, but it's a closed group. Um, so anyone that is struggling with their body image and needs a bit of a pick-me-up, they're the biggest hype girls. Like every day someone will be like, oh, I want to wear this out there, but I'm not sure. And hundreds of people will just jump on and be like, where are you? You look amazing. So um, yeah, I think it's 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 been a real labour of love for both of us. And I'm really, really proud of it. That's so lovely. I am definitely going to give it a listen. Um, my final question is about kind of looking forwards and the things that you do to protect your your health, both mentally and physically. Um it's always really interesting to hear what people's kind of non-negotiables are in terms of what they do to, to make themselves feel good. And I wondered if you could share some of the things that you do that are really your kind of go-tos when you need a bit of a kind of structure, routine, and a bit of a hug as well at the same time. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear what your kind of daily non-negotiables are. Oh, that's a really tough question. One of my daily non-negotiables is I have to get out for a walk outside every day. As in like, it's like the thing that, you know, for me, if I'm indoors and I'm working and I and I don't get outside, I feel really neg. <laughs> so, you know, that's something like that. And also for me, cooking is really meditative. So I always try and like close the stress loop at the end of the day by making myself a nice dinner. I love cooking just as much as you, I think. And I and I really enjoy making like a, a nice meal. So yeah, anything like that that makes you feel good. So it's not something that I do every day, but um, for me, swimming is like my happy place. And um, I'm so lucky we've got um, an open water like lake right literally right next to where we live that's just because I'm you know I'm, I'm bigger and I feel weightless when I'm in water but for me that's like my time I'm not with my phone I don't have to worry about friends or family or work or Instagram or anything and I'm just free I'm just Laura that's my happy thing I love that and actually I know I said that was my last question but I actually really wanted to ask you about that you know I think that the fitness industry has been incredibly guilty of um being very damaging towards people's relationships with exercise because we've only seen one type of person exercising and being accepted in in fitness spaces. I wondered if you could explain your relationship with exercise a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned swimming, which I think is brilliant. And I, yeah, I wish I lived nearer a good pool that I could go swimming because I think it is such a nice feeling. Um, but how how have you worked on your relationship with exercise and what does it now look like for you? I definitely have always struggled with my relationship with exercise because I think growing up it was always a punishment. Like it was a way to earn food and burn calories and it was never around the joy of movement and it was never about fun or play. And I think it's so interesting. I talk to a lot of people now who had this, the same experiences and they're like, oh, no wonder I don't enjoy the gym or whatever. But I sort of say to them, that's fine. You don't have to like the gym. Find something that you do enjoy. It could be dancing around your kitchen like an idiot for an hour like or 10 minutes. Like It all counts. So that's been a huge mind shift for me. Like recently, I've, I've got a dog now. So I walk him every day for about, well, between 45 minutes and an hour. And as much as I will admit most days, I'm like, oh, I've got to walk the dog. By the time I come back, I feel really good for it. And that gets me out, gets me active. So I try and just focus on things that I enjoy and not think about it of like before I would definitely do a workout and be like, great, I've earned this food, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it just, I just try and take the pressure out of it. And I think, I think you're right. The fitness industry has got a lot to answer for in that a lot of the time we think of fitness as an aesthetic and a certain look, 
and and I, I really do like to challenge that because I think it's it's for everybody. I'm sure there's something that everybody can enjoy. While I think I'll always probably have a quite a, a fairly complicated ratio of exercise, um, I'm really trying to find joy in movement as I kind of get older and realise the the health benefits of it, but not from like a you know losing weight point of view and measuring the success by the scale completely. And I think that's just such a lovely message to end on is that it really should be about finding something that you genuinely enjoy. Exercise is for everyone. There is no one way that you should look or have to look to do any form of exercise. It really is about finding something that works for you, that fits into your lifestyle, that you enjoy, but you can't be what you can't see. And so if we don't have people in all bodies, you know, showing that it can be done and it is possible and it's and it's accepted and it's, you know, normal, then we're never going to see it. So we have to encourage that sense of diversity across the board in in all sports and I always think the Olympics is a really nice one for that because you see so many various different types of bodies competing in different things that are all at the top of their game. And it's really important to remind yourself of the fact that they are all incredibly fit, but they all look vastly different. And there is no one body type across the board at the Olympics that is like the pinnacle of fitness, you know? And so I always just try and remind myself of that. And I think I I really love that we are seeing more people heal their relationship with exercise our school system has a lot to answer for in terms of, you know, particularly for girls, our relationship to exercise. And I think challenging the norm and getting people to really have fun and play and enjoy whatever choice of movement they do is is one of the biggest things that I am trying to advocate for. And I think that it's lovely to hear someone like yourself also also saying the same thing. So we're singing from the same hing sheet there. <laughs> Great stuff. I'm oh, glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for your time today. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you to come on the podcast. We really have wanted you on for ages and it's just great to have you on. And um, we'll put the links to your um, Instagram and to your podcast in the show notes. So if anyone wants to head over and have a listen to any of those or have a look at any of those, those things, you can head there. And thank you so much again for your time. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for advocating for people like me and bigger bodies because it's sometimes very hard. People don't always listen uh, when people are in bodies like mine or people of different colours, skin colours. And I think that um, I really, really appreciate the work that you do to advocate for us. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode i would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time insanity group